Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Mission 1711 podcast. Our mission goal is to guide people to trust in the Bible, the Word of God, by learning to search the Scriptures for themselves, to see if the things they're being taught are true, as it teaches in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11. Now, today's message, the great news, is one that should open your heart to receive more from Jesus. So let's get started. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the great news, which was first announced to us in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Now, did you know that angels showed up privately to several very ordinary people and then publicly to a whole group of agricultural workers to announce something so huge and so amazing that it takes 27 different messages to explain it? It's true. A lot has happened in the 2,000 years since the angels were heard on high, sweetly singing over the plains and proclaiming, according to Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's right. That's angels showed up in the midst of a dark night to a bunch of shepherds to tell them this. And frankly, you know, we want to understand what was that like, but also what does it mean? You see, it's also true that there's a lot of harsh realities of the world that have happened since then, which can make us feel dulled or numb or bored even with this incredible message, perhaps even angry with the message. But have we really heard it? Some say it's a useless message. Some question what the message really meant. And yet others, well, they find this message a reason to argue with each other every year. Still others claim that any significance to this message is long past. Well, listen, we here at Mission 1711 are convinced that it's still relevant today for very good reason, because it's not just a one-time message. It's a message that's once for all times. So what is this peace and goodwill toward men? What does that mean? When Jesus of Nazareth began his teaching ministry, reading from the prophet Isaiah, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. That's in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 19. And the New Testament portion of the Bible uses this word gospel 95 times. 95 times. I think that makes it kind of significant. Yes, you see, it's, it's hard to see that message was even in the Old Testament of the Bible until Jesus came, and then he began to reveal things to us that helped us to understand what that message was originally. Do we even know what it really means? Roughly translated, the word means good news or glad tidings or a really great report of something excellent happening. But we at Mission 1711 call it the great news because it's the only truly good news in all of history. And it's too great for us to ignore, despite the fact that most of the people of Jesus' times did ignore or even reject the message, as much as most people do today, the message came to a people who were supposed to be waiting to hear it. That's the startling fact. They were supposed to be expecting to hear this message. They had been told to prepare, to be ready to hear something really good and new when their Messiah came. So speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God had told them, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? That's in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. 
Now, when God uh, personally speaks and says, behold, that's, that's him saying he wants us to pay attention. He wants us to think carefully about what he's talking about. And this is God's way of saying, hey, heads up, don't miss this. God is telling us that something important that we need to know is coming. And in our case, in modern times, it has already come. God asks us rhetorically, now that it springs forth, do you not perceive it? In other words, God knew in advance that there are going to be people who will miss it. He knows that there are many who walk by and don't turn in to check out this awesome thing that he's doing. Folks, we at Mission 1711 urgently want you to hear this word. We want you not to miss what God is doing because the world is blind to the things of Christ. The world is blind and doesn't hear. Please, folks, listen, pay attention. God wants you to know about this, and it's very important for you. So what is this thing? What is this good report that angels showed up privately and publicly to announce? Well, the larger section of that prophecy says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Again, that full section is from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. So we see right up front, God is saying that it's okay. It's actually important to let go of the expectations and requirements of the old things, the former things. That's the old covenant, the former covenant of Moses. You see, God is telling us, I am doing something new. And then he goes on to explain that he's making a way in the wilderness with rivers in the desert. Now, folks, that's a metaphorical thing at one level, but it's also a literal thing that's happening in our times today. Believe it or not, God is doing things in the old land of Israel that are kind of shocking people. Even people who don't believe in God are like, wow, this is like what exactly the Bible said was going to happen. You know, rainfall in, in the land of Israel has gone up dramatically since 1948. So that's something that kind of surprises people because, you know, it used to be a desert there and now it's a garden. And people are a little bit shocked by that. The more people learn about the land of Israel, the more surprised they are. But listen, that's nothing compared to what God has done through Jesus for us. Because you see, this way that he's talking about is the same way that's spoken of the Messiah, that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. Please look that up, by the way. I urge every believer and every person who is searching and trying to understand the things of God, please read John chapter 14. 15, 16, and 17 are good too, but you want to understand what John chapter 14 is telling you. Now, the way that Jesus is speaking of there is a means of passage from the wilderness that mankind was originally cast into. You see this idea of desert and wilderness is kind of metaphoric of what's happened to mankind on the whole since Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden. When man rebelled against God, and we chose to replace the Creator God with ourselves as God, we got lost, and we've been in the wilderness, in the desert, ever since. 
And now Jesus gives us rivers of water in the desert. You know, this is a metaphoric thing that means something much greater than we can really fully understand with our five senses. So we want to pay attention to this because if the desert represents the, the life of humanity in this broken world we're in, then rivers of water in the desert represent life that's being brought to us, that's flowing to us. Now, as Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, which is in John chapter 4, he promised rivers of living water will spring up from deep where? Deep within us. Wow. Okay, so wait a minute. So this whole thing of life-giving flow of, of God's presence is not just going to spring up in some vast desert somewhere else, but it's going to spring up from within the depths of our individual souls. God is bringing rivers of living water to spring up within us, from within the desert of our lost and parched humanity. Jesus isn't just a teacher or a method of finding God. He isn't just a man. Jesus is the way. He is the journey itself. He is the path itself to God. He is the road out of the wilderness. He's the road back to Eden. Jesus is also the river springing up in the desert that flows up within our humanity, within our souls. Because the great news is that God himself came down and lived among us. He humbled himself as a servant and lived among us, having to learn all the things that we have to learn, only he did it right. He didn't blow it like we do. He learned what had to be done as a human to please God, and he did it on our behalf. So there's so much more embedded in this one fact, but it's the core of it is that he came to set us free. He came to restore us, not by laws and rituals, but by relationship, by the power of his life-giving spirit. He himself has come. He didn't merely send prophets or priests. He, the creator himself, became human to make us children of God. And this is the great news, the news that is so good, so great, that it has to be explained 95 times in the New Testament to capture it for us. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the one who came by the will of the Father to set people free. But how and what does that all mean? Well, if we understand the story, and please, I, I encourage you to read the four Gospels to get a handle on this story, because it's a big story, so it takes a little time to really begin to grasp it, right? But when John the Baptist came ahead of Jesus to prepare things for him, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, as some people would say, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, he was baptizing Jesus when he said this, or he, you know, Jesus was coming to be baptized. And so John is revealing something that had never been fully understood before at any time in history until that moment. All of humanity was not fully understanding this. But from Moses until Jesus, you know, Moses, the guy in the desert who went up and met God on the mountain, God spoke out of the, out of the fiery cloud, and God wrote, with his finger in stone and gave those tablets of stone to Moses, right? That Moses. From that time until Jesus, sin could only be covered each year by the sacrifice of a perfect lamb. And it was only covered for a year. The sin was not actually taken away. 
But this pointed forward to the coming sacrifice of the one true perfect sacrifice, the one who is called the second Adam, who did not sin. The first Adam sinned. He blew it. He he didn't just accidentally sin against God. He knowingly, willingly, deliberately sinned against God, right? He chose to accept the lies of the serpent, and he chose to believe that he could replace God with himself, right? But the one who came after the second Adam, who we call Jesus of Nazareth, he did not sin. Now, in a, in a manner similar to the law of double jeopardy, by dying under the judicial penalty for sinners, also on a Roman cross, when he had never sinned, he earned a total satisfaction of judgment for us, which he gives freely to those who will receive it by trusting him. The Father has already said he is satisfied with that judgment on our behalf. So we only need to receive it. You see, Jesus had never sinned, but he took the punishment for sin for us. And you know, the interesting thing about it is a lot of people don't always pay attention to this stuff, but he was judged under the uh, the Jewish Torah, the, the Hebrew law, and he was punished under Roman law. So he was you know, judged and, and determined to be a sinner by the, by the Jews, by their council, and by the Romans, okay? So both Jew and Gentile are together condemning Jesus to this cross that he had to carry and he had to be hung on, right? This is significant because the Bible breaks everything up into Jews versus Gentiles, and we need to understand that God allowed Jesus— to deliberately be condemned to death by both. Now, in doing that, by him receiving that judgment on our behalf, we become cleansed by his uh, satisfaction of judgment on our behalf. Again, it's like the law of double jeopardy. You can't be punished twice for the same crime. And since Jesus took the punishment for us, all we have to do is receive that satisfaction of judgment that he has been granted by the Father, okay? So in doing that, we step into a new day, a new kind of relationship with God, and that is the day of God's kindness and favor. That's what Jesus was talking about when he quoted Isaiah chapter 60. So we receive him by faith, but God accepts us because he accepts that completed judgment on our behalf. This is why God said through Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, comfort, comfort my people. Comfort, comfort my people. This is the message. The message is not condemnation. The message is salvation. And the people that get that wrong always have the wrong motive. They don't really believe the gospel. So we want to understand the hope that this has been given to us. God came in the form of man and he is saying, comfort, comfort my people. Now, that's not merely a temporal or a transitory comfort, merely winning a, a temporary battle or having some earthly success. This is the comfort of God coming to walk among us in our flesh. This is the comfort that came when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in his followers forever. This is the comfort that came when the one who died for us also rose from the dead, he rose again to prove that he has mastery over death itself. Folks, that's the greatest fear. Even atheists who don't believe in God or the spirit realm, 
they still fear death because it's the end. It's the end of everything they've cherished and loved. Every atheist I've ever known is fearful at death. They always say they're not, but when it happens, they always are. And this is why the New Testament says there is now a new creation. There's a new creation of the natural world coming in the future, but there's a very present reality of a new creation in the spirit that's been made within us. Again, as God has said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? My friends, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't heard and received this good news, this great news of Jesus, this gospel, I urge you, think carefully about what God is offering you. It is a free gift. It's not merely that he did a new thing or will do a new thing. This is a new thing that God is doing constantly in people who will trust in Jesus. This new thing he will keep doing until Jesus returns to take us home to his Father's house. The only question is, do you perceive it? And if you do, will you receive it to yourself? We encourage you today here at Mission 1711 to call out to Jesus personally. Don't wait to talk to some person. Don't wait for some human intervention. Don't wait for somebody else's approval. Stop now and call out to Jesus himself. Call out to the risen Savior who died as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the whole world and ask him to take away your sin. Confess to him that you have sinned. Acknowledge to him that you have rebelled against the things of God. That's what sin is. Sin is rebelling against God. This means you have to acknowledge that you have done that, that there's something for him to take away. If you do, if you will, the Bible promises us that Jesus is faithful and that his justice is such that he will take away that sin. Jesus said that if you ask God to give you this great news, that he will not reject you for it. You just have to humble yourself enough to recognize that you need him. Acknowledge that Jesus alone is the solution and ask him for this new life that he desires to give you. A whole new world will open up, a passage in the wilderness, rivers in the desert of your existence, a new and living relationship with the creator himself becomes possible. A healing of all the broken and sick wrongs that have been done to you and that you've done to others. See, a lot of us will think about the evil that's been done to us, but we forget the evil we've done to others. Even the smallest things have repercussions. And we have to understand that God wants to heal us of that. He wants rivers in the desert of our existence. He wants to bring life-giving flow of his new blessings, peace, his spirit, all that we hunger for. This is the message of Jesus. This is the great news. Please come along with us on the Jesus adventure at Mission 1711 as we discover all that God has prepared for those who follow Jesus and learn to know him. It is a great adventure. He has made a way where there is no way. He has given us hope where there was no hope. There is life. There is rivers of living water for us when we follow Jesus. Please turn to him. Friends, this concludes our message, the great news. 
glory to God in the highest. And we're praying that this opens your heart to receive more from Jesus, to realize all that he desires to give you and bless you, to receive those rivers of living water that he has promised. Now, why are we here at Mission 1711 offering this? We're inspired by the scripture of Acts chapter 17, verse 11, where it says the Bereans were more noble than the folks in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily. That's what we endeavor to do here is to search the scriptures daily and to help others to do the same. Let's check out if these messages that the apostles gave us in the New Testament really do align with what the ancient prophets gave us in the Old Testament. You see, our brand and our purpose is all about inspiring people to search out and more carefully understand the epic story of Jesus, the grand adventure of the one who made a way where there was no way. Let's verify Jesus and see if he truly is of God as he, as he promised. Now, we believe that God wants us to walk by faith, but he never expects us to have blind faith. In fact, God commends us for testing and verifying what is true by the Holy Scriptures, the Christian Bible. And the job is not just the job of a professional pastor or priest or apostle or theologian. It is the job of the regular people who hear the message. You see, we are all accountable before God. We're all going to have an interview with him, one final great interview about all that we've done with this life, about the truth that we've heard. So the goal of Mission 1711 is to bring a fresh perspective. We're not doing anything new. We're not changing the message. We're just helping modern people to understand the message from a fresh perspective with the voice of the common believer rather than the professional clergy or bringing some sort of institutional bias into this discussion. And what we're here to do is to speak to folks with a perspective that isn't clouded by those things, that isn't uh, undermined by sectarian dogma or clouded by churchy language or you know, just lost in earthly territorialism or institutional biases. In other words, we don't represent anything else except the great news of Jesus. We're not here to be against anyone or anything. We're here because we're for Jesus, and we hope you find the way of Jesus and walk in it. If our messages encourage you, if they help you in your walk with Jesus, then please like and share and consider joining our Patreon community. We have a lot more coming and we have special content and early access for those in our Patreon community to become actual partners with us in this uh, mission of empowering every believer to get the message out faithfully into the world today. Thank you so much. And if you have comments or questions, or if you need prayer, please let us know. God bless you. We hope to see you again soon.